you probably heard Abraham Lincoln's old saying, if I had eight hours to chop down a tree, I would, I would spend my first six sharpening my axe. Now, you and I cannot fully understand what God is preparing us for, but all we do know is that we will not leave this earth until his purposes have been fulfilled in our lives. Everything you and I go through fall under one of two categories, either in preparing us to fulfill what, it, what God has prepared for us or in fulfilling what God has prepared for us. So we got these two different categories and everything falls under them. Preparation or fulfillment. Jesus' purpose was to make the truth of God known and to die for the sins of the world. The fulfillment of this mission would take place in the span of just three short years. Now, we're given a glimpse of what Jesus' preparatory years were like. Jesus was baptized, sent out into the wilderness, and overcame the temptations of the devil. We see somewhat of a passing of the torch from the ministry of John the Baptist to Jesus as John was arrested and Jesus launched his ministry. If you go to John chapter 3, you will see you will find a situation that occurred after Jesus' time in the desert, but before John was arrested. Jesus took his disciples to teach them how to baptize people. Well, John's disciples were conflicted over this and asked John what his thoughts were concerning this. John's response was beautiful, and we see it in John 3, 27 through 30. To this, John replied, A person can receive only what is given them from heaven. You yourselves can testify that I said, I am not the Messiah, but am sent ahead of him. The bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him, and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. That joy is mine, and it is now complete. He must become greater, I must become less. What a great way to see life. These disciples of his had taken part in John's ministry. They loved serving with him and thought the world of him. No one else in their eyes could take his place. And John loved all of them all the same. Then God changed something. And Job stated it best. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Well, John saw that the baptizing portion of his ministry was coming to a close. His role needed to diminish and Jesus' role needed to increase. There comes, uh, there comes a time in most people's lives where they need to step back from what they're good at and make way for the next phase. Few movies illustrate this better than the movie Moneyball. The GM for the Oakland A's, Billy Bean, just secured star player David Justice from the New York Yankees. Justice was going to be making $7 million a year playing for the A's. And because of this, he felt pretty good that in his at the peak of his career, at, at the at the at the twilight years of his career, so to speak, that he was still worth $7 million. He felt pretty good until Billy Bean told him that the New York Yankees were paying half of that salary. So they're paying $3 million to play against David Justice. Well, Bean had laid it out. Justice was no longer the all-star he once was. He was the vet. And he could be, he could still be useful. He could be a good example for the younger for the younger players and give them his wisdom. That was what Bean wanted from Justice. 
From the day we come to know Jesus until the day we die, our purpose shifts away from being the all-stars in our own lives to Jesus being the all-star. We must become less. He must become more. We are to serve as examples to everyone else of what it looks like to live like Christ. But there's more to our passage today than the transition from John's ministry to Jesus's. Matthew wrote that Jesus left Nazareth and went to Capernaum, which was in the area of Zebulun and Naphtali. This is no mere coincidence. It was the fulfillment of prophecy. It reads, Land of Zebulun and land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. I wish I had time to read to you the whole passage from the book of Isaiah that this is quoting. In context, what is being said in this prophecy is just absolutely amazing. In fact, you may not believe this right away, but you actually know this prophecy. I'll get into that in a minute. Let me get you up to speed on what is being said in Isaiah. Israel and all of Judea had fallen into darkness. According to Isaiah, they were at a point where they were cursing their God and king. And although we know that the Judeans and Galileans hated the Samaritans, of those three groups, the Judeans, Galileans, and Samaritans, the Galileans were actually the most pagan of those three groups. You might even recall the words of Nathaniel when he, when he heard of Jesus of Nazareth. He said, Nazareth? Can anything good come out of there? Well, Nazareth was in Galilee. And yet, most of Jesus' ministry took place in Galilee. Now, what great light were they going to see? I mean, you already know the answer to that question. Of course, it's Jesus. And even though this is a strange prophecy that sounds insignificant, it becomes all the more clear the further you read into it. Then you say, oh yeah, I do know this prophecy. So let me read it again from Isaiah 9, and then I'm going to jump ahead a few verses so that you can understand what exactly it is that I'm talking about, and then you'll recognize what this passage is. So Isaiah chapter 9, I'm going to read verses 1 and 2, and then I'm going to jump ahead to verse 6. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who are in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will honor Galilee of the nation by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. Here's verse 6. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. You see, I told you that you knew this prophecy right here. You probably heard it around Christmas time, even. You probably hear it every Christmas. Um, Jesus himself, of course, was the light that would come to the land. But it was not his mere presence. He could have passed through that land and kicked the dust from his sandals, not thought twice about it, and then they, he would have seen them in judgment. Remember, these people are largely pagan, so many Galileans had strayed away from God. Well, Jesus did not merely pass through. He had an important message for Galilee, and you'll recognize this as well. In Matthew 4, 17, Jesus says, From that time on, Jesus began to preach, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This was the same message that John the Baptist 
was preaching in Matthew 3. Now, isn't that wild? John the Baptist's ministry was foundational to Jesus's. Indeed, he was the Lord's forerunner so that when Jesus arrived, everyone would recognize the continuity. Remember when the Pharisees came to John? John said, you need to repent. And then when the Pharisees came to Jesus, what did Jesus say? He said, you need to repent. So this repentance thing is a very big deal to God. We want to know something scary. I don't think that most people, most Christians even, know what the gospel is. I really don't. I think that if you were to ask most Christians what the gospel message is, I think their answer would be something along the lines of, well, the gospel is that God loves you. Well, that's part of it, but it's not the whole story. The gospel is that God sent his son to die in your place so that you can be forgiven of your sins and spared of the wrath of God. The good news only exists in light of the bad news that we have all fallen short of God's goodness. All people are condemned to eternal separation from God, but God made a way through his son. Repent and believe so that you may be saved. No longer are we to live in darkness, walk in his glorious light, so that he may become more and we may become less. I'd like to thank you for joining me for today's sermon. My name is Bill Sang from Faith Presbyterian Church. You can join us on Sunday mornings at 1030. Please don't forget to like, share, and subscribe.